Africa rise and shine Africa zosa Africa amka na unai Very good morning and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the African Perspective, broadcasting live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's audio bouquet, Channel 802, and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I am Onelentinzi. With me in the studio is Tabi Solohoku and Figele Lingwati. Top stories on Africa and rise and shine this hour. Democratic Republic of Congo confirms first coronavirus case. WHO declares coronavirus outbreak a global pandemic. And Joe Biden gains momentum towards the Democratic Party nomination. But first, here's your news. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. And we look at your latest news this hour. The World Health Organization says its decision to declare the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic will not change its response to it. The term pandemic relates to a geographic spread and is used to describe a disease that affects a whole country or the entire world. More than 121,500 people have been infected by the coronavirus across the world and 4,383 have died. South Africa has 13 cases of the virus. WHO Director General uh, Dr. Tedros Adamor Gebreyes Jesus was speaking in Geneva, Switzerland. WHO has been assessing this outbreak around the clock and we're deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Meanwhile, health authorities in South Africa will meet with Health Minister Zuelini Mkize this afternoon to discuss how the country will respond to the World Health Organization's declaration of the coronavirus as a pandemic. The UN Health Agency announced the declaration on Wednesday. The term relates to a geographic spread and is used to describe a disease that affects the whole country or the entire world. More than 121,500 people have been infected by the virus across the world, Deputy Director General in the Health Department, Dr. Yogan Pile. It means that uh, the world globally will have to be on higher alert and countries might have to increasingly take more extreme measures to both isolate patients, put patients into quarantine and restrict movement. So we will be uh, discussing it with the minister uh, tomorrow evening. So once we've had the discussion with the minister, the minister will make some additional announcements. Kenya has sought Ethiopian contribution to resolve issues along its common border with Somalia. The rift recently resulted in Kenya warning their neighbor to desist from acts that bordered the on uh, threatening its territorial integrity. Representing President Uhuru Kenyatta, Kenya's Minister of Interior on Wednesday met with Ethiopian Prime Minister Abe Ahmed in Addis Ababa. The case is to be decided by the International Court of Justice later 
later this year. The meeting came after a phone conversation between Kenyatta and Famajo last week, during which the two agreed to de-escalate tensions. A group of UN human rights experts have demanded that Iran cease harassing and intimidating journalists working for broadcasters. They say the act of harassment and intimidation have allegedly intensified after the BBC reporting of the streets protests that took place across the country beginning in November 2019. The BBC's Kazra Naji. This is a strong call on Iran to stop its actions against the journalists of the BBC's Persian service in London and their families in Iran. They say these journalists have faced threats, criminal investigations, unlawful surveillance, freezing of assets, defamation and even death threats. They say these actions have intensified following a wave of unrest in Iran last November. They mention a presenter of BBC Persian television who says she has received threats that she and her family will be assassinated in London. Kenya has sought Ethiopian contribution to resolve issues along its common border with Somalia. The rift recently resulted in Kenya warning her neighbor to desist from acts that borders on threatening its torrential integrity. Lastly, poachers have killed two extremely rare white giraffes in northeastern Kenya. Rangers found the carcasses of the females and her calf in a village in Garissa County. A third white giraffe is still alive. Con- con- conservationists rather, say it is th- thought to be the only remaining one in the world. The animal white appearance is due to a rare condition which causes skin cells to have no pigmentation. Channel Africa News, I'm Onilin Zinzi. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile. Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa, rise. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. Both South Africa are now treating 13 cases of the deadly coronavirus. An in-depth understanding of how the virus is easily transmitted becomes essential. Experts have warned of the devastating consequences fake news has had on re- in relation to the virus. To date, the virus has claimed more than 4,300 lives, infecting more than 120,000 globally. Prabhashini Moodley helps you understand where COVID-19 originates and how it's being transmitted. Before the novel coronavirus, the world has seen many momentous pandemics that altered the course of history, killing large numbers of the global population. These viruses include the infamous Black Death, which wiped out a third of Europe's population in the 14th century, 
Kokolitsli, similar to the disease caused by Ebola, killed an estimated 5 million people in Mexico between 1545 and 1548. The Spanish flu or influenza between 1918 and 1920 was caused by a deadly type of the H1N1 virus, claimed an estimated 50 million lives in just 18 months. Compared with its predecessors, then COVID-19 may seem a little tame. However, it's now been classified a pandemic. In South Africa, 13 patients are being treated for the coronavirus in Gauteng, KwaZulu-Natal and the Western Cape. The Department of Health has been working closely with the National Institute of Communicable Diseases to contain the virus. Dr. Juno Thomas is the head of the Center for Enteric Diseases at NICD. She explains the basis of how the virus is transmitted. The virus is transmitted by what we call respiratory droplets. When a sick person sneezes or coughs, they are microscopic tiny droplets that are released and you can't see them with the naked eye, they contain virus. Anyone who's in a very close proximity and it's generally recognized to be less than a meter might inhale or breathe in those little droplets. But also importantly is that these tiny droplets land in the environment. While there has been speculation about where the virus originated, Dr. Thomas says a wet food market in the city of Wuhan, the epicenter of the virus where live animals were sold, is most likely the source. It's thought to have originated from a food market in Wuhan where There were many species of animals, wild animals, domestic animals, and different types of food for sale. And then there's very close contact between many different species of animals and humans. The first cluster of cases of severe pneumonia in Wuhan were linked to some kind of contact with this marketplace. Because it was a new disease and tested negative for all the typical viruses and bacteria that we test for. It took some time for them to identify that this was a new virus. Thus far, the virus has traveled to 120 countries around the world. The worst affected remains China, Italy, Iran, South Korea, Spain and France. Nkululeko is a South African teaching in Guangzhou, south of Wuhan in China. He says while stringent measures were implemented last year, there's now increased movement on the streets as many return to work. The rule was for most people that you would stay in doors, you wouldn't go to work, you would wear a mask whenever you're outside. If you weren't wearing a mask, you could be fined by the police if you're caught. However, in the last week or so, we've seen a dramatic decrease in the number of new infections and things are almost going back to normal. Doors are opening, people are slowly going back to work. Most of our teachers are working online. Meanwhile, in South Korea, with more than 7,700 infections and 66 deaths, South Africans say movement remains restricted. Kyo Lobello is a South African PhD candidate in South Korea. She says hygiene remains their number one priority. There's been eight confirmed cases of people that are infected in our city and so we're told not to go to the city center. People are being checked their temperatures as well as on the hour, washing our hands and sanitizing. China remains the country with the highest number of infections at 80,000 
with more than 3,000 deaths. In Wuhan, 121 South Africans are preparing for their repatriation after an SAA flight with personnel from the Department of Health and the South African National Defence Force departed from the OR Tambo International Airport on Wednesday night. The plane will leave Wuhan with the South Africans on board on Friday. Prabashni Mudli, Johannesburg. Premier of South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province, Sihle Zigalala, says the province will be strengthening its precautionary measures at border posts and ports of entry after the number of confirmed coronavirus cases in the province have increased to seven. Addressing NGOs and HIV-AIDS stakeholders at Gray's Hospital in Piramaritzburg yesterday, Zigalala said precautionary screenings will be expanded to testing at the border posts. Nonjabulom Tungwa Makuma has more. The KwaZulu-Natal government says it is working hard to contain the coronavirus COVID-19. The increase in cases in the province to seven have prompted the government to strengthen its precautionary measures at the King Shaga International Airport in Durban, the province's two harbour and border posts with Mozambique, Eswatini and Lesotho. There are now 13 confirmed cases in the country, with most of them being from KwaZulu-Natal. Zegalala says the infected people are being assisted by the health department. He called on people not to panic. Already, when you land in Kingshaga, you are tested, you go through the process. We will be also looking on strengthening areas of entry like borders, Swaziland, Eswatini, and Lesotho. So ours is to say, as the province, we are also inside the province working on the program to ensure that those that are affected are assisted to recuperate. Zegalala says people are being educated about the virus at schools and clinics. He urged the public to remain cautious and to avoid spreading misinformation about the virus. He says anyone can get infected despite their race. It has no color, as it said in the social media. It should be clear it affects all people. But we should equally address the fears. There are general fears that once you are infected, then you will be sick and then you will pass on. No, it's not like that. That is not correct. The Provincial Department of Health says the 38-year-old patient who was the first to test positive for COVID-19 in the country is doing well. The man is currently receiving treatment at Grace Hospital. The National Institute for Communicable Diseases, NICD, confirmed that two of the seven cases in Guasulu Natal are from Peter Maritzburg, while the other four are in Durban. Health MEC Numagoku Semelani Zulu. The only reason why we have, as a Department of Health, not allowed him to go home is because protocol says he can only go home once when tested, he tests negative for the virus. So he is now waiting for that process. He is in the hospital, he is in our isolation ward, but he's feeling extremely well. So it means he has recovered, but we are just waiting because every two days when a patient is taken in, we then have to swap and see whether the the virus is still there or or, or what do we need uh, to do. Meanwhile, citizens are urged to cough into their elbow or a paper handkerchief and wash their hands regularly. Zgalala is expected to visit both the King Shaga International Airport and the Durban Harbour soon. Nonjabulom Tungamakamu, Durban.
Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gones Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements, the voice of the African Renaissance, from an African perspective. Some workers at a hotel in the South African town of Pulukwane say they have signed indemnity forms in preparation for the facility hosting South Africans who will be repatriated from Wuhan on Friday. A South African rescue team left the country for China on Tuesday to repatriate the 121 people after the country was hit by the coronavirus. Workers at the hotel say they were told that they will also be quarantined from tomorrow Rudane Chivase reports. As the world grapples with the outbreak of COVID-19, South Africa is also taking steps to sensitize the public and offer necessary support to its citizens at home and abroad. The government has arranged for 121 South Africans in one province, the epicenter of the epidemic, to be brought back home. The group was amongst millions of people who were under lockdown in Wuhan as a measure to prevent the spread of the virus. While government has not yet confirmed where they will be quarantined once they arrive on Friday, workers at a Pulukwane hotel, however, say they have already signed indemnity forms as they will be hosting the group. They say they will also be in seclusion for the duration of the quarantine period. They didn't ask us, they just command and they want us to comply something that they didn't give us time to think about it. What they want is only beneficial. They only need money because of... Now they put our life in danger because of only 100 rand per day or uh, 2,121 days as they said. Spokesperson of the ANC Youth League Task Team in the Pitamukawa region in Pulukwane, Tony Rocheni, says they welcome the decision to bring back the group from China. To us, immediately they land in South Africa. Can they please be distributed according to their provinces? That's what they were saying as the NCU League, that we are uploading them for bringing them to South Africa is their home. But we are appealing to the president and the minister to review their decision of taking all of them to Limpopo Hotel. We are saying that all those people must be distributed according to their provinces. Why? Because uh, uh, we have managed to sit with some of the uh, uh, employees there. They are raising concern. Uh, sit, uh, from, from where I'm standing now, they've, they've, they've been forced to fill indemnity forms. And they've been promised to, 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 to be paid 100 rand per day. So why are you filling indemnity form if there is no crisis? Why? That's, that's the question that we're asking ourselves. Meanwhile, Department of Health spokesperson Dr. Loazimanzi refused to comment. The management of the hotel also refused to comment. I'm Rosan Chibase, SABC Radio News, Pulukwane. Meanwhile, the Department of Health spokesperson Dr. Loazi Manzi refuses to comment. The management of the hotel also refused to comment. 
German Chancellor Angela Merkel says Germany will spend what it takes to tackle the coronavirus, which is likely to infect up to 70% of the population in Europe's largest economy. The BBC's Nick Miles has this special report on the spread of the coronavirus and the efforts to contain it. Countries across Europe step up measures to contain the outbreak, plus a roundup of infections around the world. The number of coronavirus cases in Europe continues to rise. The German Chancellor Angela Merkel has warned that as things stand, between 60 and 70% of people across the country could eventually become infected with COVID-19. That's about 50 million people. She said the government would be guided by experts as it decided on its response. The virus has reached Europe. It's here. We must all understand that. How we react to that, to a virus about which we don't know enough yet, for which we have neither therapy nor vaccination, the norms of our actions, for what we politicians do are laid down by the scientists and the experts. Meanwhile, more than 10,000 people in Italy have now tested positive for the virus. The country is in its second day of a lockdown after the government imposed a nationwide travel ban to try to stem the spread of the virus. But those measures also present a dilemma for Italy because they mean real challenges for older people, the most vulnerable group. The Italian Member of Parliament, Lia Quartapelle, explained what the government was instructed them to do. We are telling everyone, especially the elderly, to stay at home because we need to protect them. They are the weakest, they are more vulnerable to the virus. And we ask them to stay at home. Stay at home means stay at home. Do not go out for shopping, do not go out for a walk, just stay at home. And the coronavirus continues to shake the global economy. Here in Britain, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, has announced a $38 billion stimulus package to help the UK economy through the outbreak. He outlined the challenge that the government was facing. There is likely to be a temporary disruption to our economy. On the supply side, up to a fifth of the working age population could need to be off work at any one time. And business supply chains are being disrupted around the globe. This combination of people being unable to work and businesses being unable to access goods will mean that for a period, our productive capacity will shrink. In Italy, the Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte announced a fourfold increase in spending to help the economy cope to $28 billion. In Canada, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said he was creating a fund of more than $700 million to deal with the impact of the epidemic. No one should have to worry about their job if they have to be quarantined. No employer should feel like they have to lay off a worker because of the virus. We can support you and we will. A number of politicians around the world have also tested positive for the virus. Allora, eh, è arrivato. Eh, anche io ho il coronavirus. That was Italy's Democratic Party leader, Nicola Zingaretti, announcing in a Facebook video that he's contracted COVID-19. The British health minister, Nadine Dorries, has also been diagnosed positive and is now self-isolating at home. Iranian politicians have been affected particularly severely. Two have died from the virus. In total, more than 20 politicians have the virus there. 
In the Chinese city of Wuhan, where the coronavirus epidemic began, people are gradually being allowed back to work following a significant slowdown in the number of new cases. But more details have also been emerging about the start of the outbreak. A Chinese doctor who says she was the first to raise the alarm has expressed regret that she didn't do more to warn people. Our Asia-Pacific editor, Michael Bristow, reports. Dr Ifen circulated a report about a patient at her hospital in Wuhan with a strange respiratory illness in late December. But she stopped talking about the issue after being reprimanded by the hospital authorities for spreading rumours. She now regrets keeping quiet. The comments provide more evidence that China initially tried to cover up the outbreak. The authorities are now censoring the article. Now a roundup of other coronavirus headlines from Charlotte Gallagher. South African officials are calling for calm after six more people tested positive for coronavirus. 13 are now infected. This concerns that because the country has the world's largest HIV epidemic, millions of people may be more vulnerable because their immune systems are already weakened. Iran, one of the worst hit places, has reported 63 new deaths in the past 24 hours, the highest number in a single day in the country. In the US, the number of cases has topped a 1,000. Troops are now going to deliver food to people that have been quarantined in the New York suburb, New Rochelle. This is the Coronavirus Global Update. I'm Nick Miles. The Democratic Republic of Congo's health authorities say they're trying their best to track down all people who came into contact with the first coronavirus case in the country. The patient, a Congolese living in France, entered the DRC on Sunday. He has been placed in quarantine in a treatment centre. General Bamweza reports from Kinshasa. The 52-year-old man was not showing any coronavirus symptom on Sunday at his arrival at the Njili International Airport coming from France. It's only hours after, while he was already accommodated in Bellevue Hotel here in Kinshasa, that some signs came out and he was then taken for a test in a local clinic that suspected the coronavirus. Proper tests were then carried out at the National Institute for Biomedical Research that confirmed the patient was coronavirus positive. He was immediately placed under quarantine in the coronavirus treatment center, according to the Minister of Health, Dr. Eteni Longondo. Dr. Longondo mentioned as well that the health services are doing all the best to try and track down all the people that the patient came in contact with and quarantine them for proper treatment. At his arrival, he had no sign of coronavirus. Our services were alerted as he came from an epidemical country. They tested him and it was positive to COVID-19. Our services are trying to track down all his contacts. At this time, the patient is stable. The DRC government has called on Congolese to not panic since everything has been put in place to fight the coronavirus spread, but inhabitants here are already plunged in fear. One of them living not far from the coronavirus treatment center in Kinkole in the eastern Kinshasa and who didn't want to be named has expressed the concerns about the situation. We are afraid, people of Kinshasa are afraid to this sickness because the sickness is killing so much people, so much people. That's why we are so afraid. We understood that the guy is here, not so far uh, 
with us were so afraid. But he said he has to take care of that guy. He has to be treated. But Chatwan said that very serious killing people. The one who has got it, it means he's going to put it everywhere. But let us suppose that if uh, too many people are going to receive this virus, it means uh, the most of people are going to die for nothing because this virus, even though you are talking to someone like this directly, you're going to get it. Even though on the bias, try to understand, there are some countries now, there are not activities about the sickness. There are not activities. But let us suppose that is in our country, we got uh, this sickness. It means we are going to stop with all activities. That's why we are asking to the minister to take care of that man. Too many countries always got more, the most technology, which is more than our country. They didn't take care of it and they are unable to treat it. Are you sure just in our country, some of doctors are going to receive or to succeed for treating this sickness? I'm not sure. He has to go even though he brought and our minister going to take care of the guy he brought there. They're going to treat him. The problem of the sickness is a big problem because we understood it about so far. China, Italy, many countries body sickness but we were afraid we will pray god so much so that the sickness must be entering in our country but when there is someone who has got it it means uh, the most of people gonna receive it the most of people gonna receive it instead of the most people gonna receive it that's why we are asking to the minister he has to do quickly he has to be in a rush so that he may get solution about the sickness it is like a game like this oh no they're gonna treat it because in our country the most of ministers are Kidding with people just like this, so we're gonna do, we're gonna do, they're gonna tell us we're gonna do, but as mad on fact, they will not do it. That's why we're so afraid. The Democratic Republic of Congo is now the 11th country hit by coronavirus in Africa. The health authorities have called on Congolese to make sure they respect all prevention measures. Meanwhile, police have been deployed since Tuesday all around the hotel where the patient stayed and people are no more allowed to come into the hotel. Jean-Noël Bamweze for Channel Africa in Kinshasa. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Looking at your headlines, Ivory Coast has recorded its first case of the coronavirus, according to multiple reports in the West African country. South Africa has launched a Project Amber Alert aimed at tracking missing miners and poachers have killed two extremely rare white giraffes in northeastern Kenya. Channel Africa News, I am Onelensinzi. SABC News, independent and impartial from an African perspective. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance, from an African perspective.
The Secretary General of South Africa's ruling ANC, Jesse Duarte, has expressed concern over the continued interference within the office of the public protector. Her comments come after a scathing judgment by the North Harting High Court on Tuesday against advocate Wosisu Mkwebane on the matter uh, involving President Sir Ramaphosa on his CR17 campaign Bosasa donation. She has described the judgment as scathing but also fair as it found that Mkwebane should not have investigated political party campaigns, but government-related issues. Abongile Dumago has more. The debate over the future of public protector advocate Wusisiwe Mkwebane rages on following a North Gauteng High Court judgment on Tuesday. But the ANC says that the parliamentary process which seeks to determine whether or not the public protector should vacate office must be respected and allowed to play its role. ANC Deputy Secretary General Jesse Duarte says that it's concerning that there's been a continuing political interference in the office of the public protector, and that must stop. What is important is that the public protector's office must never become the the object of political play. So the DA and the EFF had a particular problem, and they're part of the respondents in this. Without accepting that a review by the president was a natural process, you know, it is. It is It is implicit in the Public Protectors Act, in the Constitution, that the review is part of the process. But uh, immediately that had to be dealt with. Don't go via any other process. The president mustn't be reviewed. He must just be condemned and so on and so forth. It's worrisome that this office over the last uh, 15 years has not had the privilege of being left to do its work unhindered. Meanwhile, political analyst Professor Dirk Kutier says this judgment shows a foregone conclusion that the days of the public protector advocate Busisiwe Mkwebane are numbered. We also know that the parliament now adopted rules um, in order for the implementation of that and that uh, since then the DA submitted, the, in terms of the rules, the motion together with about 7,000 pages. Um, I think what we've seen yesterday was, was really now, in a sense, the last step, and very much from an ANC point of view, that there will possibly be now much more support for that than in the past. Up to now, they've always said the, uh, the parliamentary caucus hasn't decided yet, um, and that they must first uh, take a decision informed by the National Executive Committee before they will have a position. I think it's now an unsaid position that I have assumed since yesterday. And Ralph Mateja, political analyst, believes this judgment by the North Gauteng High Court has political implications for President Cyril Ramaphosa because he still has to account for the donations he allegedly received from the controversial Busasa company for the CR17 campaign. Now the court said that, look, legally, Mr. President, you did not violate any rule. There were no obligations on your side to do anything. But the political issue still stands because politically the president still did not want to account and and, and disclose on who funded him. That is a political question that will not be resolved by any court. And I still think that uh, if he had detractors within his own party based on that funding, based on this issue, the court's decision is not going to change any of those dynamics internally. The ANC is adamant for now that it has no official position on Mkwebane's removal and the DA once they're gone, while the EFF says the public protector has a full backup support at all costs. But Parliament and its process will decide on the future of Busisiwe Mkwebane. I am Abongile Dumago in Johannesburg.
Joe Biden's momentum towards the Democratic nomination to face President Donald Trump in the general elections in November received a further shot in the arm after impressive victories in several states that held primaries. Biden's sweeping victories in four of the six states and on offer, including the night's biggest delegate prize of Michigan, saw him stretch his delegate lead over Bernie Sanders, whose campaign has struggled to score big victories in the face of the former vice president resurgence. Show and Bryce Peace has more. In simple terms, this was another good night for Joe Biden, while Bernie Sanders appears to be faltering. The former VP scored wins in Mississippi, Missouri, Idaho and Michigan, while Sanders won North Dakota and leads by a small margin in Washington state on the West Coast. A performance that has allowed Biden to stretch his delegate lead and make the path to the nomination all that more difficult for Sanders. To all those who have been knocked down, to all those who have been counted out, left behind, this is your campaign. Just over a week ago, Many of the pundits declared that uh, this candidacy was dead. Now we're very much alive. And and although although there's a way to go, it looks like we're going to have another good night. He's racked up 848 delegates to Sanders' 684, with either requiring 1,991 delegates to win the nomination outright. The exit of key contenders in the Democratic race has seen the party's rank and file rally behind Biden, who's viewed as the best bet to defeat President Donald Trump come November, as talk of party unity between both camps slowly enters the political narrative. I want to thank... Bernie Sanders and his supporters for their tireless energy and their passion. We share a common goal, and together we'll defeat Donald Trump. We'll defeat him together. We're going to bring this nation together. Sanders, who did not address supporters as is commonplace when results come in on a big election night, is unlikely to make any dramatic announcements, but is expected to face off in the next debate against Biden this Sunday in Phoenix, Arizona, where he'll try to draw sharp distinctions with his opponent in a last-ditch effort to blunt Biden's momentum. Joe Biden is a friend of mine. Joe and I have known each other for many years. What Joe has said, he will support me if I win the nomination. I have said I will support him. Because we want to beat Trump. That goes without saying. But here is my point. If you are talking to working class people all over this country, who is able, better able, to win their support? Joe Biden voted for the war in Iraq. I voted against the war in Iraq. Both campaigns cancelled events in Ohio Tuesday night over coronavirus fears, while the Democratic Party announced that Sunday's debate will happen without an audience present. Biden in particular, beginning to make the handling of the virus in the United States a campaign issue. We would follow the guidance of the CDC, state and local officials and public health officials with respect to our campaign events. We'll continue to do that. This is a matter, this whole coronavirus issue is a matter of presidential leadership. And later this week, I'll be speaking to you on what I believe the nation should be doing to address this virus.
There's a growing sense here that the tide has shifted and that Biden will be the nominee, as four more states vote next week, including the delegate-rich Florida, a state in the south where Sanders has so far failed to make any major strides in terms of support. And if Biden's rise continues into the next races, it will surely be just a matter of time as to when Sanders will bow out, if at all. But bringing his supporters along will be key for Biden's prospects against President Trump on November 3rd. I'm Sherman Bryce-Pease in New York. Although inequality in South Africa is normally defined by the gap between the rich and the poor, this gap has also widened between the 1994 political class and the people they ought to serve. This divide is visible in the high life politicians leave and conditions ordinary South Africans are leaving in. Political correspondent Debo Mugabo looks at the social distance between the country's political elites and the ordinary people. South Africa, a country dubbed the most unequal society in the world. But the divide is no longer restricted to the poor and the rich, which is mainly the white minority. It now extends to the political class born after the 1994 democratic breakthrough and the poor black majority living in townships, informal settlements and rural areas. And this is evident in the State of the Nation Address, which has now become the annual pilgrimage of the country's 1994 political class, their immediate families and friends working on the red carpet. But at the end of the spectrum, the apartheid legacy continues as the poor struggle to make ends meet in informal settlements. Liam Lambo is from the Princess Informal Settlement west of Johannesburg. Our informal settlement in Princess started in 1995 and we want houses. We don't have houses and we want electricity. Again, a reliable and affordable public transport remains a luxury for the poorest in South Africa. They should decrease the prices so that more people can afford transport. It will be much better. You have a problem with the transport because sometimes that taxi, they are not saving, the door is not working, the window is not working, then they make overload and then if the taxi is okay, then speed. So we are not safe. We get the accident every day. And even President Cyril Ramaphosa once had a bad experience. The trains don't run efficiently, they don't run on time, they delay people who are going to work, they arrive late at work, many of them get disciplined because this happens every day and uh, they've run out of excuses and some of them even get fired, they lose their jobs. But for the privileged few, a reduction of flight trips is a bitter pill to swallow. The cost of official cars at national, provincial and local level will be kept at 800,000 VAT inclusive. All domestic travel will be on economy class. And if anything, the 1994 rainbow nation is getting even more divided than it was over two decades ago with a new city most probably affordable for the rich in the offing. A new smart city is taking shape in Gauteng, in Lanseria, which will have 350,000 to half a million people who will call that place home in the next decade. And while democracy has delivered freedom for all, not enough has changed for people living in informal settlements with others saying the 1994 promise of a better life for all 
will remain a distant dream as politicians pay lip service to the sufferings of the poor. I am Tebumokobo in Johannesburg. South Africa's women are less likely to own a business, be employed or promoted in the workplace. This must change, according to President Ramaphosa, who has committed to focusing on ensuring the economic inclusion of women in South Africa and the continent as chair of the African Union. Busi Chimombe reports. The struggle for gender equality is firmly rooted in improving the livelihoods of women. That's according to President Cyril Ramaphosa, speaking on the occasion of International Women's Day on the weekend. That is why providing women with the necessary support to enable them to become financially independent is critical. Not just because their economic inclusion is central to any country's development, but also because economic marginalization and economic dependency leaves women vulnerable to exploitation and abuse. The journey to be traveled is long. Stats says inequality report covering the years 2002 to 2017 shows men are consistently better off than women when looking at indicators such as literacy, earnings, and access to most basic services. Ramaphosa has announced that government will be providing 10 billion rands of government partner funding for women-empowered business and will designate 1,000 locally produced products that must be procured from SMMEs. Up next, Tabiso Lihogo with our economics news. A very good morning and thanks, Onele. Share prices in the United States have fallen sharply, reflecting concerns around the economic impact of the new coronavirus. The Dow Jones Index was 4.5% lower at one point, the BBC's Andrew Walker reports. The financial markets in the United States have had a turbulent few weeks. On Tuesday, share prices made strong gains after President Trump proposed a very dramatic package of measures to tackle the coronavirus outbreak and its economic consequences. But there's some disappointment that the promise has not yet been translated into specific measures. Mr Trump has set out some of his own preferences, notably a cut in payroll taxes, which are paid by employers and employees. But he has not secured the agreement of his administration or Congress. The stock market falls in Europe were more moderate, where many governments are further ahead with their economic response to the health crisis. The Southern African Faith Communities Environment Institute says a power utility ESCOM may be heading for an energy catastrophe if it keeps pushing the Kuburg nuclear power station in the Western Cape province beyond its limits. Safke says that the nuclear plant is aging and needs to be supplemented in order to continue to supply power into the grid. This after ESCOM earlier this week implemented Stage 4 load shedding after the nuclear plant's Unit 1 tipped. Safke spokesperson Peter Berker says Kuburg was built in the 1980s, which means that some of its components are 40 years old. Electricity must be available to Kuburg from an external source. 
With the current instability of the grid in South Africa, it is questionable whether it's worth taking the extra risk of keeping Coburg running. We may think we are in a bad situation now with the coronavirus, the economy and electricity shortages. But can you imagine if a nuclear incident at Coburg requiring an evacuation was added to that? South Africa's power utility, ESCOM, says a stage four load shedding will continue until Friday. This after breakdowns at generating units, including at the Kuburg nuclear plant in the Western Cape province. The power utility has, however, warned that cuts may continue into the weekend as the system remains constrained, unpredictable and vulnerable. ESCOM has been battling repeated faults at its coal-fired power stations that have prompted severe power cuts and negatively affected economic growth. Kuburg is the only power station and has two units with a capacity of around 1,900 megawatts. Financial Services Group NetBank has joined other local institutions extending credit to fund sustainable and green projects in Namibia to enhance a climate-friendly business. According to the statement released by the bank through its spokesperson, Selma Kulinge, NetBank became the second local bank after Bank Windhoek, which listed a green bond early last year to provide a credit platform that caters for green investment. NetBank Namibia, head of business banking Brit Duplessis, said the bank is offering an innovative program specifically designed to fund local businesses to seize opportunities in greening the country's economy. The US dollar is trading at 365 Nigerian Nara. 551 Botswana Pula and at 11 Kenyan shilling 40 and at 15 Zambian Guaja 60. In BRICS currencies, 4 Brazilian roll will cost you 68. 71 Russian ruble 81. 73 Indian rupee 92. 6 Chinese yuan 95 and at 16 rand 7. 77 pence British pound 88 cents euro. Gold one thousand six thirty three dollars, platinum eight sixty three dollars pounds, brand crude oil thirty four dollars thirteen cents a barrel. It's Channel Africa from an African perspective. And up next, Figile Lingwati with sports. In this hour, we begin with cricket news. The Standard Bank Proteas are set to welcome back former captain Fav Duplessis and middle-order batsman Rassi van der Dessen to the starting eleven for their first one-day international against India in Dharamsala today. South Africa are scheduled to play three ODIs against the hosts as the limited overs series follows last October's test and T20 tour to the subcontinent. Proteas captain Quentin de Kock says he's happy to have Duplessis back in the side to help lead his youngsters in unfamiliar territory. Faf's come back. Um, 
he plays a big role for us uh, from a leadership point of view. He is here to help out a lot of the younger guys in our team. Um, he still adds a lot of value for us and he also knows that he has a lot of value to give in this team. So it's still great to have him around. Obviously, his experience that he's learned over the years will be a big help for this series for us. With more sporting events recently getting postponed or cancelled across the world, Dikok says they are well aware of the threatening coronavirus. He adds that they have their medical team on standby should they need to act and pull out of the tour. Coronavirus, everybody understands what's going on. I think it doesn't change. You know, obviously, hygiene's a big thing. Um, you know, just the washing hands, uh, where you cough and how you sneeze. I'm just making sure. You just, it's just our personal hygiene. I think then you'll be all right. Obviously, be aware of what what you touch and and what you what you do. Um, but yeah. I think just be careful on everything. Yeah, I know there's some fine lines, um, but we have sat down with the with the rest, and I think, but and it sounds like both teams are healthy. So I think, you know, we've been tested obviously on our way in here. Um, so, the I think we'll still shine the ball. I think our doctors, our team doctors and management have made sure that we're all fit and don't have coronavirus. So we'll still attend to that and still keep the ball shiny. On to football news, the next FIFA Congress, initially due to take place on the 5th of June in Addis Ababa, has been postponed until the 18th of September due to the coronavirus outbreak. This comes from the World Football's governing body's information. A FIFA Council meeting planned for the 20th of March in Zurich has also been put back to an as yet unspecified date in June or July. FIFA said the postponements are in order to enable all member associations to attend given current concerns over the health and well-being of participants, as well as travel restrictions in many countries. And football news, Temba Zwane scored the all-important goal as South Africa's premiership side. Mamelodi Sundowns beat Stellenbosch FC 1-0 at the Alphonse Stadium in Cape Town in an after premiership game last night. And uh, Pizzo Musimani, Sundowns coach, believes that Stellenbosch coach Steve Barker came into the game with some good plans and Sundowns had to work hard for the win. I think a hard game, well earned. Eh? When you get three points from such a game, you, you feel you have ended. Yeah, Steve had a, a big plan for us. Now I understand when, he, when, when the, the, the analyst told my analyst that... We have, a, we have a good plan for you for this match and you'll be surprised and I, I, I understand with numbers when they come when they went out but we managed it to be honest we managed it and that's what helped us but they gave us a scare and finally boxing news in book Tabo Anthony Joshua's shackles will be off against Kubrat Kpulev and will deliver a more destructive display that's a promise from Eddie Hens the promoter that's the Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola. Africa, Amuka na Unai.
Vugani matuta, vugani matuta, kusilibu. Vugani matuta, vugani matuta, kusilibu. Nila lele nina. Vugani matuta, vugani matuta, kusilibu. Vugani matuta, vugani matuta, kusilibu. Nila lele nina. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
Wake up, we're not alone. 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 We're not alone